the survival and basic badass podcast kevin and chuck today we're going to talk about suburban survival and preparedness um basically and today we have a guest uh chris from uh, mo.com thanks for having me on guys it's, it's a real pleasure to be here oh happy to have you um but yeah it turns out uh you know everybody wants to be in the country and and do the whole uh you know off-grid cows pigs and chickens but uh turns out that's not always feasible turns out making money and taking care of business sometimes you know ends up taking priority so you got to uh you know find a way to adapt and there are definitely things you can do in the suburb in the suburbs that could definitely change the outcome and maybe make you from a uh you know from a victim to a uh you know, a survivor. So anyway, uh, Chris, uh, what are your thoughts? No, uh, yeah. Like I said, first off, thanks for having me. And I feel like this is a topic that is somewhat criminally under discussed in the prepping community, because, you know, like you said, Chuck, at the beginning, everybody's like, okay, you got to go, you got to get your chickens, you got to get your property, your, your 20 acres out in, out in the sticks. Right. And just some people don't have that disposable income. I know I don't, uh, you know, just to pick up, you know, uproot everything and just go. So I wanted to talk about suburban prepping today because, and I have a quote from this, according to uh, data from the the HUD and the census collected in 2017, apparently 52% of people identify their living situation as being in suburban landscape, essentially. So that basically says to me, the majority of Americans live in the suburbs. And I think that's only going to increase after everything that happened in 2020, Uh, people are starting to flock to this type of uh, living situation because most people are working remote now. So we're getting more and more people in the suburbs. And I think I don't want people to feel like they're going to be left out. Like you can't survive in the suburbs because you definitely can. And there are some advantages around it that some people might not have thought of. No, I, I think that's fair. I mean, and that's a thing to ignore such a huge part of the, you know, prepping community and be like, well, you guys are on your own. You know, you got to get a bug out bag and get gone. Honestly, I mean, that's a a good plan if you can pull it off and you have somewhere to go. But that's, again, a lot of times, you know, I mean, if, if we have a cyber attack or something like that and the lights go out, the, oh, I'm going to drive 50 miles out to the country may not be a good play it you know, it, it depends how well you see things coming and how well prepared you really are. But it, it's very practical and realistic to kind of find a way to hunker down and figure out your own, you know, your own survival. You're responsible for your family and you need to find a way to do it. Yeah. A lot of these we, uh, uh, actually um, go ahead. a lot of these events that that, you know, people think about happening, uh, you know, we always think about like doomsday, the end of the world. But the truth is a lot of these things, you know three or four days, you know, a big blizzard or, uh, you know, power failures or a hurricane, you know, it's, it's really a, a matter of, of a week or so before you can get things back, back together again, you know, and taking off for the country and, and, you know, fighting, uh, fighting traffic to get across the bridge and, and over here and down there, it's not really realistic in those situations. 
Yeah, I mean, weather definitely is something you need to keep an eye on. We just had a tornado here uh, in central Indiana where I live just a couple weeks ago. Knocked power out for about eight hours. And I mean, literally, I heard the freight train, right? When the winds were coming, the tornado literally dissipated about 100 yards south of my house. It was nuts. Uh, So these things happen. And being prepared really can help you weather that storm, literally and metaphorically, and, uh, you know, thrive instead of just survive. All right. Well, let's kind of like jump right into the meat of it. So what can I do? Where would I even start? You know, when I'm I'm prepping, I, I, I live in the suburbs. I'm in a maybe small neighborhood, whatever, surrounded by many other small neighborhoods, what what are my go-to things? I mean, I assume I want to stockpile some stuff. I probably want, I can't really grow food to any significant level. Um, people do have gardens in their, you know, yeah. I mean, I guess it depends how suburb suburban it is, you know? Right. You might have the, the acre yard. That's That's almost getting, you know, a little more country than whatever. But it's, you know, I know when I, I used to live in Virginia Beach and everything, you know, even fancy houses, everybody had like a tenth of an acre. You know, it was all like yep. nothing. And you were still 10 feet away from the house next door, you know. So mm-hmm. begin. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, that's kind of the situation I'm in now. I have like no land, uh, you know, on my house. I'm right next to my neighbors. But there are a lot of advantages that you might not have thought of living in the suburbs. And uh, of course, the big one is you have a lot of people around you. And I know that as preppers, we're like, oh, no. We got to get out in you know low population density. We don't want to have people around us. But the truth is, you're going to need a community to survive any long term disaster. Kind of like what Kevin was talking about, like the you know the doomsday scenarios, like the EMP, the cyber attack, nuclear war. Take your pick. Uh, you're going to need a, a community. But even for those small disasters, having that community around you can really save your behind if things go bad. So that's one major benefit of living in the suburbs is you have an established community around you of people that identify of living in your neighborhood. You know, I live in, you know, Beverly Hills or, you know, not that's probably a bad example, but you get what I'm saying. You all have this commonality between you and that can be somewhat as a unifying force. How are we going to get through this together? Kind of like what you were talking, Chuck, you're going to need some supplies ahead of time. But the beautiful part is, in a suburban setting, you have a lot more storage than you would in, say, like an urban setting, right? If you live in an apartment, it's going to be tough. It's not impossible, but it's going to be a lot harder because you can't stockpile as much, you know, shelf-stable foods like, you know, rice, beans, uh, you know, all your classic stuff that you throw in Mylar bags or even just canned food, which is going to taste a little bit better to start off with. Uh, but also one thing that I've noticed is, uh, you know, living in the suburbs there's often a high density of people who enjoy, well, let's just say their personal protection items. Uh, you know, I don't want to get uh, get slapped by the the YouTube algorithm here, but uh, well, let's just say that they have things that you can use to protect yourself with. And a lot of people have that. And to go along with that, you've got a lot of people who have different tools and supplies and things like that, that maybe you could share with. If you need hey, to borrow a drill for, you know, 10 minutes, you can go to Bob next door, be like, Hey bro, can I borrow your drill for a second? And you know, he can help you out. And then maybe later on, you can help him out with something. And it's a mutually beneficial situation. I think that's a really great benefit to being in the suburbs. And oftentimes, and this is probably one of my big ones, usually there's water nearby. Uh, usually you have like retention ponds, streams, pools, things like that. 
depending on your neighborhood. I know we've got like two retention ponds here. It's not going to be the highest quality water. And obviously you're going to have to do a lot to purify and sterilize that water, but at least you have it and you don't have to hike three miles to the nearest water source. And you'll quickly discover the uh, the benefits of having water nearby when you have to do that because it's heavy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's mm-hmm. that's the thing. I think, you know, prepping your house. So having, you know, the food stockpile, having the stuff, you know, loaded up in the closets under some beds, you know, some extra food storage, wherever. But again, like you said, not as stressful as when you're in the city or something, you know, trying to have it in a 500 square foot apartment versus maybe a 12 to 2000, 1200 to 2000 square foot house. It's a little bit different, you know? Um, but storing water or having, like you said, the water source, the thing is to find out where you can get it, to have a plan beforehand and to make the accommodations, you know, that you're going to need to. And honestly, you know, they always talk in the country about, you know, oh, well we can, uh, you know, pound down a well, you know, Barry have a little hand pump thing and, and whatever, and people do it and whatever, maybe you can figure that out in your neighborhood, you know, set somebody up in their backyard. If, you know, you do your own little, uh, well thing. And, you know, I know like where Kevin is, people used to have wells. And so there's a lot of, you know, where you might have the backup and you can figure Mm -hmm. out the option, you know, now he's on municipal water, but he still has, you know, a well that he can, you know, utilize in his house and having a plan for that, having somebody, you know, come up with that. I think one of the big things though is, you know, you touched on it is that mutual assistance kind of community thing. Um, We just did an episode not that far back on, on mutual assistance groups. It is, it's important anywhere, but it's so much, more important when you're in close quarters and you are going to be kind of dependent on each other. Um, you know, having good fences, buying uh, maybe the 3M security film for your windows, for your big glass slider door or things where, you know, hey, nobody can just kind of crash in on my house. That would help things a lot. But having people around you, being able to kind of close off your street, you know, five houses up and back or whatever, because you've talked to these people, you've made the connections would be even better. You know, if you can say, hey, look, let's, you know, take turns so we all don't have to sit in our living room paranoid with a shotgun and looking out the window all night long because people are rioting, you know, and burning down the Walmart up the road. You know, that's the. The, the idea is when you're in a group, you can, you know, utilize so much more and that's huge. And, you know, in a way you want to do that in the country, but obviously if the next house is a half mile up the road, that really doesn't help you when, you know, so that is a benefit to being there. I just, I also know it's nice if you can see them coming from a half mile away too, instead of, oh, they just cleared the corner into our cul-de-sac, you know? So it's always kind of a gamble. Yeah. I mean, there's always pluses and minuses to every situation. And I'm not saying that, you know, living in the suburbs is the end all be all uh, best place to be, but I want people to feel like there's, they have some advantages. And like you talked about, community is huge. Having that is so important. Uh, and if you don't have that, that can be really to your detriment. And like you, you mentioned, yeah, if, if you know, Joe Bob lives half a mile away from your house, sure, you can see him coming from that half mile away. But, uh, you know, you need to go borrow that drill like we we're talking about or, you know, in the country, maybe you need to borrow some type of farm implement. 
it's quite a bit longer of a journey as opposed to me just stepping out the front porch and just being, Hey, John, what are you doing this afternoon? Uh, Can we do something like that? Um, But like I said, there are some disadvantages to living in the suburbs too. Uh, Let's be honest. There are a lot of unprepared people uh, in the world these days. And my hope coming on this show and, you know, being on with this community is to get more preppers out there, get more people prepared. And there will also be people who are not pro second amendment. Let's just say it (laughs) living on where you are. And depending on what location you live, there may be more of those than people who do like it. So that's something you got to think about, right? You know, you're going to have to deal with different opinions, different people saying, no, we should do this. No, we should do this. Uh, So there is that. And, you may have, uh, you know, a lot of kids or, you know, folks with disabilities that you're going to have to really help out uh, that could be an issue. Uh, and then probably the biggest issue is a lot of suburbs live on what we refer to as natural lines of drift, a.k.a. the interstates. Mm-hmm. And when things go, if it really goes bad and like you're talking about, they're, they're rioting and burning down the Walmart, um, you know, when the major cities clear out, you know where they're coming to next. Uh, they're going to be spreading out in the suburbs. But since you have that community around you, you have a better chance of being able to deal with that. I think definitely. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, go ahead. I know my experience, uh, you know, getting to know neighbors in different different areas that I've lived, uh, you know, like you said, there's a lot of uh, people that may not be pro Second Amendment. A lot of people might think you're you're crazy, the things you do. But a lot of the times I'll run into neighbors that, wow, you're out of your mind, just just like I am. You know, you're a crazy person too. We're, we're going to be friends, man. I didn't, I didn't realize that, you know, that, that you have a whole arsenal in your bedroom. That's, that's you know, and you, and you run into people that, um, that really, you know, also kind of uh, fit in with uh, your ideas and the, the things that you're interested in. And, uh, you know, it, it's good to know which, which person's which um before before you're in trouble right oh definitely and i have a way that you can do that that i think honestly even people who don't like going out and talking to people can do and i want to share my experience with this this is something that i had somewhat of a revelation on a couple months ago i have a a german shepherd uh she loves to walk so i walk her three times a day uh and i know a lot of people are just probably clicked off the video right now but please hear me out on this um, there are a lot of benefits to that, not alone just talking about, you know, your health, getting out there, getting some exercise. Also, you're going to learn how well your shoes hold up uh, to mileage. I'll tell you that right now. And I have discovered that a lot of shoes don't hold up as well as you think they might, uh, which could be some good intel for you for uh, a disaster, having some good footwear. But I can tell you pretty much everybody in my neighborhood who, like you said, is as crazy as I am or maybe thinks I'm crazy. Uh, because you learn a lot from just walking around your neighborhood, you know, waving to people, you know, maybe saying hi every once in a while. But what I found out was uh, it was Halloween last year. I was taking my then 10-year-old out. We were going house to house, and everybody we went to was like, hey, where's your dog? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, everybody in my neighborhood knows who I am because of walking the dog. And so in a disaster scenario, whether it be large or small, if you've done that work ahead of time, people know who you are. And if they're going to be, whether you're the German shepherd guy or the Shih Tzu guy, or the guy who just likes to walk every night, uh, they're going to know you. And when things go South, you could be like, Hey, let's everybody, let's meet up at the park. Uh, and let's talk about what's going on and how we want to handle this. Because mm-hmm. I heard from, you know, my, my crank radio that 
they're they're riding downtown and uh, they're talking about maybe coming this way. We need to we need to organize and figure out what mm-hmm. we're going to do. At least people know who you are and you're not just some unknown person in the crowd. And I think that's a really easy way that has a lot of benefits that uh, can really get you in that community more and be part of it without having to do a lot and just go like, hey, uh, hey, John, you uh, you ready for the apocalypse, bro? Uh, and then they're like, what is wrong with you? You don't have to have that awkward conversation. You can just be the guy who walks the dog. And that's a really good way to just kind of interject yourself into that community. There are other ways you can do it too, whether you want to be part of your HOA, don't get me started on that. Um, <laughs> you know, setting up like a, uh, you know, Facebook group for your community. Uh, yeah. And if it doesn't exist, you make it. And then right, you get to be right. the admin. There you go. Then you can delete everybody else. Exactly. You, that you no don't friends. like, right? Um, but that's the thing. Like you said, a, uh, you know, a Facebook group or something like that, having the, your phone the phone numbers of your neighbors or some way to get in touch with, you know, even if, you know, two or three, they probably know some of the others, you know, you'll find a way to tap in, but by getting out and getting more involved in the community, it's funny. I lived, you know, by Kevin and we had a, you know, it was reasonably suburban area. And now that I'm out in the country, I actually know more people than I think I did, you know, in, in New York, I had like maybe the five neighbors around me, and then after that, it's like, ah, I have no idea. Um, mm-hmm. And and now, like the wife, I, I just started getting more involved, like looking at it as the prepper kind of standpoint. You know, I go and and now, you know, I live in a nothing town. My town is like square two miles and I live outside of that. And oh, you're living the, the dream, bro. Oh, dude, it's like there's like 250 people in the town. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're, we're nothing. You know, we move in and, you know, you shift the whole balance. And uh, it, it was good, actually, because I moved down south and they hate Yankees down here, it turns out. And uh, but it, the lady who owned the property where I'm at before me, everybody in the community hated her so much that when she moved, they're like, oh, you finally got rid of that lady. We love you because no matter what, you're better than you know what we had she going was. here before. Yeah. Yeah. And but you get involved. And, and I think joining, you know, maybe maybe the fire department, or like I said, I, I don't do that. I, I, you know, connected with the wife does the farmer's markets and all that. And I meet everybody and, you know, now I'll go down and hang out with the mayor and whatever. And we, you know, talk about nothing. And he's some, you know, 80 year old guy and whatever. And we just, you know, hang out and it's all good in the world. You know, it's funny. We started connecting and he was very, he was looking for like growing the town and you know, that's what a mayor should do is, is make things, you know, better. Right. He's like, Oh, we can bring, you know, municipal water and we can bring sewer and, and all these things. It's so exciting. We can bring uh, you know, Wi-Fi towers to the thing. And I'm like, you know, slow down. I'm like, think about what you're saying. And it was funny. Cause I was like, you know, you're really talking about bringing a huge development right in the middle of the town. And I'm like, think of what that's going to do to your taxes. You know, think of what it's going to change. And he was like, kind of, you know, blew me off and was like, oh yeah, you're crazy, whatever. And then he started looking at the numbers and what people were demanding. And he was like, we don't want any of this. And I'm like, yeah, now you're getting it. Like now you understand. But the point is, if you connect and get to know people in your community, you see what's going on, whether it's, you know, your school board, it's your, you know, different things. 
you can affect the change that's coming or at least have a voice in it. And so few people do get involved that if you do, your voice matters. You know, it's always the people who worry about everything and are, you know, just want to control things that end up having the say because they get involved. And if you can kind of bring some sanity to, you know, whatever it is, that might really help the outcome. Um, Another thing I wanted to touch on too is, you know, maybe like you said, not everybody's pro 2A and some people are just kind of indifferent and haven't thought about it. But when the rioting mob is, is at the, you know, the town, you know, a block over, they, their opinions might change. It might not, if you enjoyed your freedoms as much as I do, it might not be bad to have extra that you could kind of supply a little bit. You know, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Do a little share. That might be an option. Mm-hmm. You might want to cover the community a little bit. It never hurts to have a little extra hanging around. Uh, it, yeah, I want to give you guys one thing. If you guys are looking to, uh, you know, stock up on ammo, if you haven't heard of ammo.com, give us a shot. Uh, I have a coupon code for you guys. If you just go to ammo.com forward slash Chris, that's my name. Uh, would love to have you guys check that out. Free $20 off coupon for everybody. All we need is an email to send it to. We're not going to spam you or send your email address out to anybody. So uh, if you guys would like to check that out, feel free. You don't have to. I don't get anything personally from that. Uh, I'm not getting like kickbacks or anything. So I just wanted that to be perfectly clear. So if you don't go, it's totally cool. But yeah, having some extra stuff around is a really good thing to do. And I'm not going to say that I do or I don't have, you know, uh, you know, some other extra, you know, implements of peace, as they say in the prepping community these days. Uh, hanging about, but yeah, maybe that, that's something that I thought of and definitely, Hey, if, if you like that sort of thing is a fun thing to do. There you go. Now you said it's, it's ammo.com slant Chris. Yeah. Forward slash Chris. Chris forward Mm -hmm. slash Chris. Yep. All right. So, yeah, I mean, everybody likes ammo, so I I don't think that you could go wrong, uh, with something like that. But, uh, you know, the, the being stockpiled and prepared, I'm just saying, it turns out people never realize how fast you can go through ammunition, especially oh, yeah. if, I mean, I, I don't know. I always watch these videos. Now, mind you, you know, me and Kevin were both in the military. However, neither one of us was like in like major firefights or something, you know, out doing whatever. I watch these videos and these guys are like, yeah, you know, I was just going through magazines and they were stacking up and, you know, you have no idea. So, and, and those are trained guys. So I would say it's, I would want to err on the side of caution um, with having extra ammo. Too much than not enough. There you go. And so often you get people who I do know when I go shoot with people who have never done it before, they will burn through ammo like nothing. They're just, so if you are, you know, working with a community, you can expect that they might burn through some ammo. I know to me, once you kind of get what you're doing, I feel like you could use a lot less, but I don't know. Like I said, I've never been in the big firefight with a hundred people or whatever. So I don't know. But yeah. anyway, more ammo always sounds like the right answer. And I do know for sure that training and shooting beforehand and learning how to hit your target and that comes with practice and so practice critical. requires ammo. So yep. I would not, you know, deviate from that. Now, what one else? Tip, one tip I'll give you yeah, for helping, helping conserve ammo at the range that I found is only loading your mags up to 10 rounds. 
even if you have like let's say we're we're rocking a Glock 17 and we got 17 rounds available, loading that magazine just to 10 kind of really helps slow you down. And especially if you're teaching somebody new who might be a little uh, anxious on the trigger, let's just say that, yeah, can really kind of help slow them down too and not deplete your ammo as fast. Right. I mean, there's obviously exceptions and, and, you know, I might train something different or different times, but I know when I'm out shooting, even, you know, stuff that I have ammo cans full of, I always like bring the gun down and bring it back up between every mm-hmm. shot. So I have to re-aim because yeah, just holding it, aimed at something. Yeah. I can hit the target 50 times, but I'm already there. You know, it's, exactly. I, I, I want to, it's how fast can I acquire the target is really what I look for when I'm training. Um, that was actually one of the big pushes. Well, being in New York, the taxes were probably number, you know, number one to get me out of there. Dude, I was paying 12,000 a year in school and property taxes. So you pay off your house and it's a thousand dollars a month when it's paid off. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good with that. I don't need that. And and that was 12,000 a month on like a $250,000 house. We're not talking you know, oh, well, he lived in right. a mansion and that's why, mm-hmm. no. Yeah, and a $250,000 house yeah. in New York is not, right. it's not it, in it, it, Well, it was, it was that a few years ago, but you know what right. I mean? I think that now. Yeah, that's yeah. that's fair. But that was the thing. And, and then when they came after the guns and were like, oh, you can't have any AR-15s, you can't have any of this and, and all their good, you know, issues. And I was like, man, I can like, now I think I pay 1200 a year, you know, so a 10th for my property taxes. And I went from two acres to 14 acres and I have, you know, a shooting range on the property and, but it's cause I chose to live in the middle of nowhere. Now, I mean, it all comes at a cost. Uh, you know, I have to, it, it, the cost I mean is like, I have to drive 35 minutes to get to work. If I want to go to Lowe's, it's probably 40 minutes. You know, it's, you know, things I, I go grocery shopping once a month because I don't want to make the trip. You know, I'm always the wife's like, oh, we have to go to the little town, you know, which is smaller than the town that I left in New York. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to go to the big city. You know, it, it's it's too much for me. But the point is. You get to, uh, you know, y- you build the life that you want, you know, that that's the answer yeah. there. But. Anyway, so now gardening, what are your options in the suburbs? What, what are you doing there? So I think that before anything goes down, right, it's kind of difficult because you can't really turn your entire backyard into a garden. Now, I've seen some people do that and, you know, more power to them if that's what you want to do. But for the most part, some, you know, communities are going to frown on that uh, and, what I would suggest is start making just like maybe like a raised bed in your backyard. Uh, the wife and I just did that. It's a great way to kind of get your feet wet in the gardening game. So at least you have some semblance and an idea of what you're doing later. But also while you're walking the dog, just casually look in people's backyards and see if they've got a garden going on. You'd be like, oh, that guy there knows what he's talking about. Or, right. you know, she's got an amazing garden. If things go down, I'm going to go talk to her. And this is why I think it is so important to have those stockpiles since you have that extra storage in your house or, you know, wherever you're living in the suburbs. Uh, It can get you through that period uh, that, you know, maybe you're not going to be able to grow food immediately. What if something happens in the middle of the winter? 
right? We always like to think that disaster is going to happen in oh, the spring or the, the summer. Right, right. And you can like, oh, I'm going to get those seeds in the ground. And we're going to be eaten, you know, like kings by fall. But what if it happens in the dead of winter and there's two feet of snow on the ground? Right. Mm-hmm. You got to have something to get you through. And then what I think, if it's a prolonged disaster, you're going to have to start talking to people. It'll be like, hey, uh, you know, Mary, over there, you have this amazing garden. What have you been doing? Because I think we're going to need to start growing right. a lot more. Uh, and so that would be a great way to get organized and just be like, Again, when you pull everybody together, be like, hey, uh, Mary knows what she's talking about with gardening. Right. Let's everybody start setting some things up because this looks like it's going to last a lot longer than we think. Right. And uh, we need to start growing food. Otherwise, we're going to have people who are going hungry. And that's the last thing we want. Right. And yeah. maybe having somewhat of a stockpile of seeds. You know, they oh, always, great idea. They, they have those those bags of, you know, for 30 bucks or something. You can have the, you know, 15,000 seeds or whatever. No, mind you, they're all the tiny specks and nothing for, you know, whatever. It might not be what you want. But the idea is to stockpile a decent amount of seeds. And you might have in the community the vacant lot or the one guy with the big yard or the park at the, you know, at the corner or whatever. There might be options that you guys can go to where it might not be your 10 by 10 backyard, but you might have, you know, a big area where the community can kind of go together. And it, when everybody puts it all together, it makes it a lot more defensible. Oh, yeah. Um, instead of trying to keep an eye on everybody's backyard at the same time, if we can keep an eye on the one lot with the food plot and kind of have a, you know, a little rotation or something of keeping an eye, you know, again, it, it depends on the world, you know, that comes, um, you know, how bad it is on what you need to do. But having a plan for a community garden and we always talk about, you know, so many people think they can plan a garden at the last minute oh, and yeah. like. And it's not even the growing, it's the, it seems to take like two or three seasons to learn how to grow things well. And, and that's, you know, you were talking about, you know, oh, Mary grows things really well. Well, that's, that's exactly it is, is go to somebody who's been doing it because they Mm -hmm. know what kind of predators you have, you know, whether it's chipmunks or, you know, whatever, certain flies or different things that destroy your garden they know how to combat that or what to plant next to what and what works in your area. Um, Where I live, we have, you know, like clay everywhere Mm -hmm. and trying to garden and plant. I mean, that's one of the big things, you know, I kind of got the shooting range and the wife got to have like a big flower farm. And so she does her thing and, and we grow like half vegetables, half flowers. And she sells, you know, her flowers at the farmer's market and all that. But it's, learning to farm that way is very different. And it's weird because people on the other side of town all have sand and, you know, it's, it's, well, what do you do? What do I do? You know, and, and trying to work it out and trying to find somebody who has soil like we do and what kind of things you can do to kind of, you know, bring it to life, talking to your community and learning these things beforehand makes such a difference. And you're able to, you know, really develop the skills that are relevant to your area. Um, another thing you had mentioned, you know, having the different types of people in a community makes such a difference. So finding out who is an EMT or a paramedic or something, or who, you know, has whatever skills, whoever, you know, maybe that guy's a cop and he knows about organizing security and things. Maybe it's not you that knows, you know, the things, maybe it's the guy up the street. 
and yeah. you find a way to tap into everybody else's skills. And honestly, like you said, having these people on your side is definitely a good thing, but a little, yeah, yeah go ahead. I see. Yeah, you're absolutely on point there. And I think that's another benefit of having a large community around you is that you have such a diverse skill set. You know, kind of like I was alluding to, somebody may be a great gardener. You know, maybe you've got, uh, you know, LEOs or military personnel in your community. Uh, you've got people who are in the medical field, teaching, uh, you know, all different types of skills out there that can really be beneficial in a situation that, you know, you could really use that in. And so, I would say the best thing to do in that type of situation is have a little humility. I know as preppers, we like to think that, you know, we know everything, we've got it all figured out, but yeah. uh, sometimes we might not. And, you know, if, if you've got somebody who's been in the military before and has some of that training, maybe default to them. You'd be like, oh, hey, how are we going to yeah. handle this? What's the best way to secure this? You may have your own idea, but maybe they have something better that can really save your bacon. Right. No, definitely. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, I, I think a lot of people struggle, um, you know, delegating kind of, you know, different things. You know, I, I see it at my job or whatever, you know, even like when I was in the military as a electronic technician guy, but I, so I fix things and I had such a hard time. I'm like, oh, well, this is broken and it's so important. We get it fixed that I couldn't kind of let anybody else do it. I'm like, I got to get it up because I know I can do it and get it right. And even now, like I struggle and I, it like takes all I have to just be like, all right, I'm going to stand here. You guys go get started and whatever, but learning to deal and work with other people. And that's a big part of, you know, the whole reaching out now beforehand is, you know, a lot of preppers, I hate to say it, become isolated and want to be their own guy and handle everything and so much more, if you're in a community, do you need to learn to rely on each other and to, you know, work with each other. And like you said, utilize other people's skills because, you know, maybe, you know, the person who works at the law office, you know, that's not a skill people think would apply to the apocalypse and, and rightfully so, but they might be the great organizer. You know, they might be the guy who can put things together and say, look, I can manage, you know, I can write up the schedules and figure out the best ways that everybody can get sleep and do whatever, but we can still keep an eye at the end of the road and, you know, that kind of thing. You know, there's ways to utilize other people's skills and being able to recognize skills in other people, I think is so important, you know, or Maybe the guy who can do that is, you know, the guy you want to tap for that who can, you know, hey, but this guy's really good at getting people. And, you know, so many people are like, you have to do this, you have to do that. And people are like, oh, I don't like your authority. Who are you? There are also people who are able to, you know, get people to work and be happy about it, able to inspire, you know, so maybe that's, you know, you're, you're people like Bill Clinton or something, right. Who can go out and get everybody like, yeah, let, let's do it. But I don't know. just a thought. I think, you know, in a situation like that, just having a plan kind of puts yeah. you in that position, uh, getting your plan put together now, and maybe the community doesn't decide to go with your plan of action, but at least you have a plan of action that you can present and people will see that. And they'd be like, yeah, Maybe this guy knows what he's talking about. Maybe we won't do it his way this time, but uh, at least he has an idea and that can really help. Uh, and that's something that you can do right now. You don't have to out yourself as a property community. 
You just yeah. kind of put a little binder together and, you know, maybe just have like a map of the community in there and be like, okay, these are some areas that could be problem points. Um, maybe we look at making sure that this road is, you know, watched all the time just in case things start going south. Yeah. Now <clears throat> I've definitely go ahead. Yeah. I think there's a, you know, there's a, there's a big benefit in having that sort of community uh, like you're talking about. And it's not just, um, you know, different skill sets and different things like that. I remember right uh, as the big pandemic uh, started getting crazy a couple of years ago, you know, they started shutting everything down. Everybody was panicking. There is nothing at the grocery store. Um, you know, it was real easy to go go over to your neighbor's house and I, I'm short on sugar. How are you on pasta? Can we do a little bit of trading and a little bit of that that simple uh, bartering um, could really you know, really help you out in a bad situation. Uh, I remember uh, Chuck was loaded up on toilet paper and I was, I just made fun of him the whole time as mice are going to eat all that toilet paper. You're never going to use it. Why are you spending all this time and all this space stocking up on toilet paper? Meanwhile, uh, a year later, I'm in the backyard with the garden hose trying to wash my butt crack out and Chuck's <laughs> living like in the lap of luxury lap with, of luxury. Uh, you know, all this, all this the great Charmin. toilet paper. Yep. Yep. But I mean, it's, it's that sort of stuff. Um, you know, you can't plan for every single eventuality yeah. and, uh, having a community and having people around you, um, that are also, you know, somewhat like-minded can yeah. really be a big benefit. No, it really can. And yeah, just kind of a funny story, kind of like where you talk about during yeah. the pandemic, I went over to my friend's house to play cards one night and the, the guy was like, all right, guys, we're playing for high stakes tonight. And he puts like a a pack of toilet paper in the middle of the, of the <laughs> table. It was, it all, huh? We all loved it. It was great. But yeah, you know, and that's a really great point is just being able to help each other out in a situation like that, yeah. especially with something maybe like water. I mean, obviously as preppers, we think about water a lot because water's life, right? And maybe your neighbor doesn't know how to purify water and you can go on one hand, oh yeah, that's one less person I got to deal with, right? But on the other hand, you could be like, let me help this person. So they, because waterborne diseases are freaking everywhere. Yeah. And especially when, you know, the, the, you know, modern luxuries, let's just say of water purification stop working. Uh, cholera is huge, especially in disaster zones. You've got crypto, you've got E. Coli, you've got uh, all different types of bugs that you don't want playing a party in your intestinal tract. And if you could save somebody from that, uh, that's yeah. somebody else who could help you down the line when you're in a hard spot too. Right. Right. Yeah. I know. Uh, I know that is a, a big issue. You know, if you know, it's, it's great that, you know, you can turn on your tap and get clean water, mm-hmm. uh, hot water. You can flush your toilet and all your waste just goes, goes away. It's Magic. magically disappeared. But when that stops happening and, and, God knows what your neighbors are doing. Are they pooping right next to the stream? Or are they just, you know, right. peeing in there? You don't know what sort of situation you you might end up in. And maybe that stream that runs past your house is perfectly clean to drink out of. It's beautiful. Today. and uh, yeah. But but maybe two days into the pandemic with toilets not flushing, that's not going to be the case anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, as preppers, like you said, we we kind of think about water quite a bit. But we, you know not everybody in your community is going to think the same way. And that might make things a lot worse real fast. And it's so cheap right now just to get like a couple boxes of pool shock, a uh, great way to make yeah. your bleach at home. Uh, and I will say this, I would much rather drink sterilized water 
uh, with a little bit of sediment in it that wasn't necessarily filtered, but I knew that everything was dead in there. So yeah. uh, it may not taste the best. And of course, you know, drinking a lot of chlorine is not going to be good for your digestive system either, but yeah, neither of those bugs that better are better than bugs. There. Right. Yeah. And that's like, I, I know I used to, when I was in New York, uh, that it was one of the things I worried about and I would buy, um, they had, uh, I'd go to the local pool place and they'd have the concentrated bleach and you could buy and again, this is 10 years ago, so I'm sure the world is different, but you could buy the five gallon container and it would be like 13 bucks or something, you know, reasonable. Oh, yeah. Kevin, you're going to correct me on that. You have different. No, no, that's right. Numbers. That's right. Yeah. Okay. No, I just felt like I wasn't sure. Now you'd be like, well, that's 50 bucks now. Cause you know, who knows what Probably the in today's changed. money. You're right. right. Mm-hmm. That's, but even so, like, like I live in the country, I have two wells, I have different things. It's good. But uh, not that either one is the most amazing thing. You know, I come home to water not working sometimes and different things. It's the world, you know. Like I said, you choose the life that you get. And, you know, I have a different set of problems. But that's one that, you know, I shouldn't have to worry about. And I still have like six gallons of bleach, you know, set aside in a dark space, you know, because you don't know. You don't know what's going to you know, change in the world and, and how you might be able to help people. And so often, like you said, people have that mindset. I feel like throughout society, people have that mindset of, well, if other people are succeeding, that's taking away from mine. And it's that whole, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. If you can make your neighbors where they can protect their houses it's so much less likely that people are going to get past them and to you. And, you know, we all help each other, you know, and if people have a supply of stuff, one, they're not trying to break into your house and take your things. And it's just having everybody prepared and having people able to work together can make such a difference and definitely reaching out to your community beforehand. It it just builds such a good relationship with everybody you know, to establish that beforehand that, you know, people are going to trust you. People are going to respect your ideas and people are going to look out for you. And that that's a big thing. Having people, you know, have your back where they're, you know, looking out for your goals too. So. Yeah. One thing that might be, you know, some value uh, again, now, while we're in a, a relatively peaceful time, if your neighborhood doesn't have like a neighborhood watch or something like that, you can reach out to your local PD. I know that we did that here. Uh, we, they had an officer come out and give like a whole talk about it. And that does a couple things. One, it tells you who's interested in making sure the community is safe and, you know, ready to go. So it gives you some ideas to, uh, you know, who might be a good person to go to, uh, you know, in a disaster scenario. And another thing is it gives you a little bit of a relationship with your local police department. And you can just pull that officer aside afterwards like, hey, what are you guys seeing out there lately? Is there anything, you know, happening downtown that, uh, you know, we need to be aware about? Is there, you know, like some gang activity going on in this area? Like, what have you guys been seeing lately? And that could be some really good intel to give you some heads up about, you know, what you might have to deal with later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's smart. I know, um, you know, I, kn- I know that uh, a lot of people hesitate or shy away from getting in involved with, uh, with community watches, with, with police departments, they worry about, you know, this and that. But the fact of the matter is it's, it's really, um, it's really important to be involved with your community, especially people that are involved with law enforcement, uh, just because 
you know, you don't know what's going on in your neighborhood. You don't always know what's happening. Um, you know, I, I feel like I live on a very safe street and, uh, the guy down the, the police came to my house a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, asked me if I had cameras or whatever. The guy down the street had been, uh, had his house broken into. And, um, you know, just because I know my community, I didn't know what's going on. That guy had his house broken into cause he's selling drugs. You know, it's not, this isn't right. somebody just going around house to house, breaking into houses. They, they knew what house that they were after and they went mm-hmm. there specifically. And just having an idea of what's going on in your neighborhood can really give you a big, uh, you know, big advantage when it comes to uh, real life, you know, dangerous situations in your, in your community. Yeah, definitely. I want to address one quick question here in the chat uh, from Uh-oh. Uncle Whiskey. Uh, he asked if boiling water, a chlorinated water would make it off gas any faster. It will definitely help. Another thing you can do is you can do what we call aeration, which is basically taking it from one cup and pouring it into another and then back and forth multiple times. That'll help release some of that chlorine out of there so it doesn't taste as bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. If you're you're worried about the chlorine taste, like you said, um, if you you know, let it do its thing. You know, it need the yep. chlorine needs to be in there doing its thing for about 10 minutes and then you pretty much should be good. But letting that gallon sit overnight or two days, you know, that it, it's going to be so much more palatable after it's had a little bit of time. But again, you know, you do what you have to do, you, you know, because the sun definitely, uh, you know, gets rid of it over time. So, oh yeah, for sure. That's why you got to keep adding it to your pool. Mm -hmm. that's right all those sunny days they just eat up that chlorine you know you enjoy swimming in it but can get expensive um but i mean it is you know pools are are one of those things you think of as as really being a luxury but in a bad situation having an extra fifteen thousand gallons of water (laughs) uh, you know i'm just being able to wash your hands the amount of water you use yeah washing washing yourself let alone drinking you know, if you're if you're in a real bad situation and you're drinking, you know, say a liter a day and uh, you can go through water pretty fast, especially yep. if you're buying jugs and putting them in your in your closet. But when it comes to, you know, washing your hands or washing your face or brushing your teeth or flushing your toilet, you know, you can go through water real fast. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's nice to have access to, to water and it doesn't even necessarily have to be clean water. Uh, for things like flushing your toilets and washing your hands. Um, but having access to water is really a big deal. And I, a lot of suburban areas have a lot of pools, like you had mentioned earlier. And it's a valid point. It's a good uh, a good point. Yeah. So now that's that's definitely a lot to, to think about. You know, put it on the list. Um, so you guys have questions, concerns, things you want to talk about. You can email us at preppingbadass at gmail.com. Um, we did, uh, I, I just updated our Patreon page and I uh, thought oh, we'd nice. kind of bring that back. We, we haven't really talked about Patreon in, in probably a couple of years. And I we, we set up some cool stuff. Um, I have it so that if you do uh, $10 a month, you get a free coffee mug. And we used to have this uh, prepping badass mug that actually I have one um, prepping badass mug. And on the back, it's the don't give them an inch. And uh, so anyway, the, uh, or you can get the uh, survival and basic badass mug that I don't have in front of me, but uh, $20 a month gets you a t-shirt. And now here's, here's the kicker. 
Now, nobody's, I'm not rich enough for this, but if you were rich, $50 a month, we're going to set up a camping trip and you'll get to go out to it. Now, mind you, you still have to get yourself there, but you you get yourself there, we'll feed you and (laughs) we'll, we'll provide the, the place and the entertainment. Kevin will have fun stories. So that's maybe something you want to look into, but that's patreon.com slam prepping badass. The other thing that all those things get you is we're going to start recording like an after show after the podcast where we kind of, you know, talk about some details and and things like that. And we're going to put that exclusively up on uh, the Patreon page. So anybody at any level would get that. Um, We already do have some guys who uh, subscribe at the $10 a month level. Uh, If you shoot us an email at preppingbadass at gmail.com. I'd be happy to uh, send you a mug. Let me know and let me know which one you want and uh, confirm your address. And we'd be happy to work that out for you. Otherwise I would say thanks a lot for, uh, you know, listening to the podcast, Chris, thanks for coming out. And thanks you know, for ha- me. Chris, was there anything else you wanted to, wanted to mention again? Go no, to ammo.com. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. If you guys want to check us out on ammo.com would really appreciate it. Uh, as far as suburban prepping, I think just having a positive mindset, doing some of this work ahead of time, uh, and it doesn't have to be hard. Like I said, you don't have to organize community barbecues. You don't have to have that awkward conversation. Just put yourself out there. Be part of the community. Go to community cleanup stuff and things like that. And uh, at least you have that group around you ahead of time. I think that's the most important thing is community. So start building that community today, and uh, it can definitely pay dividends in the future if anything happens. All right. So with that, Chris, again, thanks. And all right. So with that, stay safe and we'll talk to you guys next week. could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. The most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.